new season has begun. I mean, this is a new season for us. You know, I recently turned 62, and I know it's like, whoa. I know I don't look a day over 61. You know, you don't got to clap for that. But, um, you know, I was thinking about it, that, you know, I'm getting closer and closer to the moment um, where I get to go home and I get to see Jesus face to face, you know, and, and, and that's kind of a good thing, right, that you get to go home and, and see, um, see Jesus. Um, there's a bunch of questions that when I see Jesus, I want to ask him, you know. Uh, you probably got questions. Um, I might get there before you, so if there's questions you have, maybe I, you can write them down, give them to me, and I can take them. But, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about it, man. You know, I'm, I'm getting a lot closer. I was thinking about it, like, if I live to 80, right, if I live to 80, that I got, like, 18 years left here on earth before I go to home. And when I think of the kids from the time they were born to the time they graduated high school, it went in a blink. So it's like, in a blink, I'll be with Jesus, you know? And so I got 18 years if I make it to 80, and that's no guarantee, you know? And I was thinking about it. Um, you know, just kind of meditating and pondering as I, and I realized that you know you're getting older when you make noise standing up and sitting down, you know, right? I mean, I never used to make noise before, but now I make noise, you know, and, you know all that, and, and all that. And, um, and I realized that in this season of my life, um, you know, those, those gains that you've experienced in your life, you know, you get, you know, gains like, um, you know, you get married, uh, you have kids, new jobs, you know, those gains are, are, are decreasing. You know, there's less and less gains uh, in, in my life, and there's, there seems to be a lot more losses that, that, you know, it's like the losses are, are more frequent and the gains are less, you know, like losses like um, having children under your roof, you know, that's a loss. It might be um, the loss of actively playing things like basketball, right? You know, that's a loss. I don't, I don't play basketball anymore. You just sit on the bench and be the pastor of a, of a basketball team. That's all I get to do now, you know. And every so often they come, hey, pastor, you want to shoot? You know, and why don't you come a little closer, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and they're girls, you know. It's like, come on. And in my mind, in my mind, I'm thinking, I can take every single one of you all. I think I could. No, I couldn't. I, I just couldn't. I could take a couple of them. Read what do you, maybe maybe a couple of them I could take. Yeah, I just take them down low and maybe just a couple, right? Yeah, okay. The walk-ons, yeah, because I'm taller. Yeah, yeah, and I foul, you know. But you know those things, you know, um, the loss of family members, friends, and loved ones, and you know they just seem to be coming more and more frequent. And um, um, you know, it's like as time goes on, it's just kind of easy to just kind of slow down, get comfortable thinking that the best in life has passed you by now. And, uh, and you know, just, I started to think like that. And, and God didn't let me, is not letting me get away with that kind of thinking. And I remember earlier this week, you know, as I was thinking about what to talk about today, I felt God say to me, Mark, the best is yet to come. Don't you dare shrink back. I wrote it down. You know, I said, don't you dare shrink back. Don't you dare think of cruising. It's not over until I say it's over. You know? And, and I thought about what I sensed God was telling me, and I realized that I had things backwards. You know, that I had things backwards. That, that as we get older, 
instead of being comfortable and cruising, uh, we should become even more passionate, shouldn't we? We should be get, become more and more passionate about making every moment in our life here on earth count. You know? And I thought about it, yeah, if I got less time, I should be, there should be a greater urgency in my life instead of just like, oh, you know, just, oh, you know, that kind of stuff. And I read Psalm, this past Tuesday, I read Psalm 39, verse 4. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time here on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. And we're just merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who we will spend, uh, knowing who we will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. And I thought, man, that was so powerful. That was so relevant to where I was. And, and the truth is, there is so much that needs to be done, you know, that this isn't a time to just slow down and cruise. There's so many people who need Jesus. Uh, we live in a culture that needs so much transformation before Jesus returns. And that this isn't a time to just kind of think about my, myself, relax, get comfortable. And it isn't a time for us as a church to relax and get comfortable. You know, we're heading into our 16th year as a church, and we've seen God do some really wonderful and incredible things. It's been a great 16 years. 16 years, uh, the number 16 is such a great number. It's the number of the greatest quarterback who ever played, Joe Montana, number 16, San Francisco 49ers, you know. But, but this is not a time to relax. You know, just last week, we experienced a real major a milestone of, of, of giving birth to a new church that will go out and make a real impact for the Lord Jesus. And, and that's a milestone that, man, I mean, how many churches get to say that they've done that, you know? And, and that's such a great thing. And it, it could be really easy for us now to relax and to say, man, man, we're doing good. We did good. And we can just kind of cruise on by. But, but God's word to me is the same word for our church, KCF. The best is yet to come. Don't shrink back. Don't you dare shrink. Don't you dare think about cruising. It's not over until I say it's over. In fact, you know, this is the beginning. Um, the best is really yet to come. There are generations. There are literally generations of people who need Jesus. And God has called us to reach and to seek and save that which was lost. So there's a lot of things, uh, so much that we need to do, so much that God has called us to, and he is looking for men and women, men and women who will courageously step out and follow him. And I feel like that's the message that God wants to give to us today, that, that, that God is looking, that he's looking for courageous men and women. He's looking for a courageous church that will just trust him for whatever. And so God is actively looking for courageous people. Throughout the Bible, we see 
examples and examples of courageous people who took steps of faith despite all the risks they were facing. Just courageous people. I think of Joshua and Caleb, you know, two of my favorite people. You know, they sent 12 spies in. Ten of them come back and said, ah, there's giants in there. We can't take the land. Two guys say, no, you know what? God gave us the land. We can do this because God is with us, you know, Joshua and Caleb. And we saw how God honored their faith. Listen to the heart of Caleb as, as, you know, in Joshua 14, he says this. Caleb's saying this. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord, my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be, will be your grant of land and that, that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord, my God. And he goes on in verse 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while the Israel was wandering in the wilderness. Today I'm 85. He's 85 years old now. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel, and I can still fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You'll remember that the scouts we found of the descendants of um, Enoch was living there in great walled towns, but the Lord is with me. No matter who it is, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. And at 40 years old, you know, Caleb trusted the Lord. 45 years later, he's still trusting the Lord, and, and, and he still has a passion, you know? He says, I'm 85, but it don't matter, you know, because God is with me. I can go and do whatever. It don't matter who's in there and, you know, who's inhabiting the land. It don't matter. They could be giants. It don't matter because God is with me, and he had a passion, and he has a passion that should inspire all of us because courage, courage comes from the heart. It doesn't come, courage isn't about how strong you are physically. God is looking for people who have a heart to courageously follow him, you know. And that's why there's this familiar verse, you know, some of you have it in your houses. If you go to Logos Bookstore, it'll be on a plaque somewhere. And it says in 2 Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Think about that. God Almighty, his eyes are looking throughout the world, just looking at all the people in the world. And what is he looking for? He's looking for people whose hearts are just fully his. He's looking for people who will say, you know what, I'm in, like Caleb, like Joshua. And he said, I'm looking for those people. And when I find those people, I will give them my strong support. God Almighty wants to give to us his strong support. Is there any other stronger support than the support that God can give? And God himself is saying, I'm looking. And all I'm looking for are people whose hearts are completely mine, and I will send my strong support to them. I mean, that's amazing to me. 
You know, it's like, like I want to say, like, over here, God, over here, you know, like, just send your strong, strong support right here. I gotta make you think, like, man, God, here I am, here I am, you know, because He's looking. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He, he may strongly support. Another version says, so that He may send His strong support to those whose heart is completely His. That's what God is doing. An example of a courageous person in the Bible is King Asa. And King Asa, um, that verse in 2 Chronicles 69, that was a, a verse that was spoken to him. You know, that was a context that was spoken to King Asa. And King Asa was an amazing, amazing king that he started off strong. That if you think about the history of Israel and Judah, what, what you see is when there was a good king, good things happened. But that was rare. You know, often there were like bad kings, and the bad kings led the people away from God, and things just got kind of messed up. But, but King Asa, early in King Asa's reign, the Holy Spirit speaks to him through a prophet. And if you go back to 2 Chronicles 15, verse 1, it says that the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. He said, listen to me, Asa. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you're going to find him. But if you abandon him, he'll abandon you. For a long time, Israel was without a true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, and they found him. Those, during those dark days, it was not safe to travel. It was just a mess. Problems troubled people of every land. Nations fought against nations, cities against cities. For God was troubling them with all kinds of trouble. But as for you... Be strong and courageous for your, work, for your work will be rewarded. How does Asa respond in verse 8? When Asa heard the message, he took courage. He took courage. And he removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin and all the towns he captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar. And he did all these great things. And, and God exhorts him to seek and follow him. And if Asa would do that, God would be with him. And so what does Asa do? He takes courage. The Bible says he took courage. And courage is not something that, that, we, that many of us naturally have. You know, it's like many of us are not naturally courageous. But, but we can do what King Asa did. When he heard the word of the Lord, he took, he grabbed hold of courage. And, and he grabbed hold of courage and in verse 9, he calls all the people together, and man, you just go on and on with all the great things. He moved idols. He, he built altars. He said, people, from now on, we are going to follow the Lord, you know? And he made all these changes that were going on, and it was amazing what he did, you know? He, he, he took care of all the false gods, and he turned the people back. It's, if you can imagine, like here in the United States, and what would, what would it take if, 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 if someone came along, a president or someone came along, or even in Hawaii, someone came along, a governor came along and said, we are going to turn back to God. And we're going to follow the principles that this country was founded on. 
and we're going to follow him wholeheartedly, and all these false stuff, out you go and all that. I mean, how much courage would that take? And that was the courage that, that King Asa had. He took hold of courage because he took hold of the word of God. And God said, if you are with me, I'm going to be with you. And he said, shoot then. And so he went out. He, I don't know if he said shoot them, but he went out and he did what God wanted. And that took courage. And God is looking for men and women who would be totally devoted to him, not worrying about what others may think, what others may do, what society thinks or believes, what could happen to them personally. They chose to seek God. They just said, you know, you know what? I am going to follow God. What was the result? What was the result? Yeah? You heard earlier that there was trouble all over. You couldn't even walk around. There was so much trouble going on. Verse 9. It goes on and says this. So, verse 15. So, there were no more wars until the 35th year of Asa's reign. For the next 34, almost 35 years, it was peace in the land. It was peace in the land. That King Asa came in and says, you know what? It's a mess. And it's a mess because we have turned away from God. We're going to turn back to God. And there was no more war until the 35th year. 35 years they were in peace. But this story also comes with a warning to us, you know, that, and especially for me, it's a warning. Um, in, first, in 2 Chronicles 16.1, after this, you know, after the last verse in Second Second Chronicles fifteen, Second Chronicles sixteen one says, "In the thirty sixth year of Asa's reign, King Baasha of Israel invaded Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from entering or leaving King Asa's territory in Judah." So after thirty five years, here comes a threat. All right, for the first time in over three decades of peace, there's a threat coming. What will King Asa do? Verse 2, he responds by removing all the silver and gold from the treasuries of the temple of the Lord, and they accumulated a whole lot, okay, and the royal palace, and he sent it to King Ben-Hadad of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus, along with this message. Hey, man, let's do a treaty, all right? I'm sending you all this stuff. I'm giving you all this stuff. Let's make a treaty together so that, you know, King Baasha of Israel will leave me alone, right? King Asa goes to the king of Aram to make a deal. And he kind of reminds the king, he says, you remember the deal our dads had, all right? Remember that deal? Okay, I, wanna, I want you to remember that so that, you know, if you come join me, we can defeat the army that's coming. Now, when you hear that story, is easy to think that's a reasonable and that's a good idea. After all, there was a treaty that their, their, their dads had made. He had more than enough money, sent some of that. And wasn't it God who had blessed them with all these great things and all the silver and gold anyway? And, and things were going great. So now with this approaching threat, uh, why not recruit some help? Why not do something to, you know, to resist or to, to overtake this conflict and this, this threat that's coming? But there's more to the story. Verse 7. At that time, Hanani the seer came to King Asa and told him, 
because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of the Lord your God. You miss your chance. You miss your chance to destroy the army of the king. Don't you remember what happened? Don't you remember what happened? And he goes on and he talks about what happened. You know, it says like, don't you remember what went on that you took care of, of the Ethiopians and the Libyans and all their armies and all these things? He says, Didn't, don't you remember? And it came because you had a heart that was fully committed to God. And somewhere along the line, Asa got comfortable. Asa kind of relaxed. And when trouble came, he forgot all about God. And he says, I got to rely on myself. Because I got a lot of stuff now. I'm pretty strong now. And he relied on himself. And uh, all those things, with the little success and all that, led him away from what made him strong in the first place. And God says, what a fool you've been. From now on, you're going to be at war. And for me, this story is just this really relevant reminder because I've seen it happen so often in my own life. There are times when I have been so desperately needy and just crying out to God. And when God came through, it was like, man, easy to just relax, you know? And then something really bad happens, and you cry out to the Lord again. And then he comes through. And then after a while, you just start feeling, you know, just comfortable in the whole thing. And you kind of forget about God. And, and you begin to, when challenges come up, I begin to, to try, I, I can take care of that one now. I can take care of this one now. And I begin to do things on my own. And it's so easy, you know, to do that. And, and now as a church, and for me personally, we got to heed the word of God from this story. That now is not the time to get comfortable. Now is not a time to relax. Now is not a time to try to make something happen on our own. That we got to remember how we got here. We got to remember God's promises and, the, and his faithfulness in all the years past. That this isn't a time that we say, God, 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 God. We got it. We got it. You know, we ain't, we, you know we're, we're 16 years old now. We got it. So you go help Max and Salt and Light. Because they need your help, and they do. But we need God's help too. See, this is a time where we must become like Caleb and not like Asa, you know? Because something happened to King Asa after he accomplished some of the things that he did, and he got a little success, and he just got comfortable. And he relaxed. And when things came up, he sought to do things on his own strength. I pray that we never get there. I pray that we will always say, God, without you, we got nothing. You know, it's really interesting. I was reading through the book of Acts. Um, yeah, this is Pastor. I was reading through the book of Acts. And I thought about how 
things went gangbusters in Jerusalem. And the Holy Spirit came on them, and they went out, and Peter preached in thousands, and they started to meet in the temple courts, and meet in, in houses, you know, like life groups. They were meeting all over, and God was adding to the number of those who were being saved. And pretty soon, man, that whole city got turned upside down. And they kind of forgot what Jesus' command was in Acts 1.8 before he left. His final words was, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the, you know, outer end, the, the outer ends of the world, right? To the ends of the world, he said. But they kind of hung around, and it was really great. And they got really comfortable. God sent persecution, right? The, the enemy came, and you know, Stephen stoned the whole thing. Persecution came, and the disciples scattered. And it was so interesting that where did they scatter to? They said they left Jerusalem. They went to Judea and Samaria. And then the Bible says and that they continued to preach the good news about Jesus. Sometimes it takes a great shakeup for people to wake up out of their comfort to go back and trust God. I pray that as we start this new season, that, that we would be like, like Joshua and Caleb, and not like Asa, that, that we would be courageous, that we would trust God and say, God, whatever you want us to do, we're going. You know, God, you've been faithful for the last 16 years. You're going to be faithful in the next 16 years. That you've been with us in the last 16 years, and although I was younger when I, we started 16 years ago, and I'm older now, I, I'm still strong enough, I still can fight. And we've got to go. That's what God is calling us to. You know, I was talking to David Yadamari one, one Friday, and it's been good talking to him most of the time. And uh, um, so, so at the more we talk, you know, he, he, he grows in, in, in you know, because, you know, we talk a lot. So he grows in confidence. So now he's telling me what I should do now. And so, uh, <clears throat> so Dave was saying, you know, Mark, um, and he said it in a really nice way because, you know, Dave is a nice guy, right? And he says, you know, um, I don't know exactly what, but the whole gist was um, maybe you shouldn't keep talking about how old you are and that, you know, you're going to retire and all this kind of stuff, you know? And I thought about that. I thought about that. And then I thought about Auntie Sally. Auntie Sally is, what, 90, 90-some years old. How old is 90? How much, Joe? I can't even see that. You got numbers. Four? Huh? 94? Okay. He's 94 years old. Okay. But I'm not supposed to tell the age of, of women. But when you're 94, it don't matter. Okay. So, so 94, right? And I thought, I am 62. If I am as vital as Auntie Sally is, 94, that means I got like 32 stinking years left. 33 more years? What? 93? Okay, I'll have 30. I can't see you, but I can hear you. Okay. 93. Oh, hey, 31 more years then, right? 32. Okay, 31. I got 31 more years, you know? And then Dave was telling me about this 70-something-year-old 70 70 dude, and he's all, like, having a time in his life. And I just said, you know, Mark, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. 
This isn't the time for any of us to say, hey, I'm old, I'm this. Hey, we just planted a church. Hey, we just did this. We just can relax. Uh-uh. Man, there is so much that God wants to do. And, and the best is yet to come. See, today is the beginning of a new season. And, and, and it's going to be an exciting. It's so exciting that Coach Reed Takasuka said, I'm going to come today. This is the beginning of a new season. It's so exciting that Reed is going to be here every Sunday now. Because the news every Sunday. He's come. He might join a life group. He might come to a class. He is on it now. He's coming. I say, but Reed, what about golf? Ha! I laugh at golf. He'd be here every Sunday. Every Sunday now. Because it's that important. I pray. I pray that, man, we would be like Joshua and Caleb, that the eyes of the Lord continues to search throughout the earth, you know, looking for those that God can send his strong support. I would love to see, as we move forward, what that strong support will look like. How are we going to reach the next generation? We can only reach the next generation's with God's strong support. I want to encourage you, pray with me, that God would find a church of people whose hearts are just fully his. That when he looks at this church, he goes, I'm looking, oh, there's one right there. There's one. And that's a church that I'm going to send my strong support. That's what God is saying to us as we start this new season. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Please be praying. Please begin to, to say, God, that um, I got to get, I don't want to be, I don't want to have things backwards. That I got to put you first and foremost. And if I do that, you're going to send your strong support. And we're going to see something that only God can do. And you know what? That's what I want to see. I've seen so much of what I have tried to do. I have seen so much of, of people trying to do something for God. But I want to begin to see more and more what God can do through people whose hearts are fully his, that he's going to send his strong support. That's where we are. That's where we are. I want you to stand and uh, call the worship dudes up. And uh, I'm going to pray. I want to encourage you, join the life group. Okay, because that's part of it is we need each other to, to grow. And so if you're not in a life group, sign up. If Sunday's not a good time for you, there's life groups that meet during the week. Just sign up and, 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 and we'll find a life group for you. If, if you want to check out a life group, and you say, I've never been to one, you know, Sunday's a pretty good day. Just head back there, Neil. Okay, just head back there, okay? All right. Um, for those of you who, who just want to, 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 to just grow in just the basics of what it means to follow, follow the Lord, for the next four weeks in July, we're going to be doing that, all right? So, so I'll be teaching that. It'll be in Rome 100 in the back where the youth used to meet. And that'll be a great time. And then next month, um, next month, I'll, I want you guys to sign up for this one, all right? Next one is going to be really, really great for everybody. Um, we're going to talk about where our church is, what our church is all about, 
you know. And then we're going to talk about, we're going to do this mini seminar over the, over the weeks in August so you can really know what your spiritual gifts are. All of us got spiritual gifts, and God's given us spiritual gifts, and knowing your spiritual gifts, your passion, you know, your personality, your experiences, you put them all together, and, and it's going to be so much more clear what God might want you to do based on who God has made you to be. So that's going to be in August. That's our next step class. You might want to just sign up for that. But if you go online, sign up. That is the best way because then we can prepare for however many people will be there. All right? So uh, uh, let's pray. And then have this song. Father, thank you for your encouraging word that the best is yet to come. That um, that you're looking and you're still looking throughout the world for men and women, for churches whose hearts are just fully yours so that you can send your strong support. Father, I pray you would find a church like that here. And Father, I pray as as salt and light meets, God, that you would bring together an, uh, a real unity in that church and that that would be a church whose hearts are just fully yours and that you would send your strong support there. We just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.